Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Thank you, as always, for listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, whether you've downloaded the show, whether you're streaming, if you already subscribe, if you don't, then what in God's name are you waiting for? Please subscribe to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It helps me more than you know, and it will enable you to make sure that you get each and every new episode that is released totally free of charge, uh, uh, no matter when it is. It could be bonus shows. It could be just your standard Thursday morning shows. Whatever it is, you'll get it if you subscribe. Another thing that you can do to help us here at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is go on over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and give us a review. A positive review would be really, really helpful, but it helps us climb up those iTunes charts, which is the only way that we can get eyes on us because none of those podcast vehicles are doing us any favors. We're not getting thrown into the, into the uh, hey, check this out. Hey, look what's new and hot. We're just Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's you, it's me, it's us. We love wrestling, and we're here to talk about it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are, podcast time once again. So happy to have you all here with me from the Not Sam Studios in Westchester, New York. The best Chester. A lot to talk about this week. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Tell your friends. Big thanks to Xbox for being a part of last week's episode. You know, some of these episodes, I mean, that Xbox interview that we did last week, I feel like I am going to be able to go back and listen to. You're going to be able to go back and listen to whenever we want, at any given moment, just because of everything he talks about, everything he gets into. It was just... You know, there were a lot of good tidbits. I love the Adam Bomb story and everything, but just a lot of good life lessons. X-Pac is a guy who has really lived life. I don't want to say to the fullest because I don't want to paint everything that he's done with a positive brush, but he's a guy that has really lived a life. And he's literally not the most honest wrestler that I know, but the most honest person that I know. This is a guy who completely wears his heart on his sleeve and who is unashamed by any of it and he's not honest like he says like awful things that hurt your feelings and goes well I'm just being honest hey man you got to respect the honesty no he's actually like a nice guy but he's very honest about everything that's happened in his life he talks about everything and he doesn't do it in a braggadocious way he doesn't glamorize it he just he tells the truth and every day he's improving as a person and if you listen to what he says, you can kind of go on the journey with him. So uh, if you haven't heard last week's episode yet, make sure you go and you download last week's episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. That's why I always tell you to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. But this week, we've got a lot to get into. Uh, we got to talk to Alexa Bliss uh, about some stuff, but uh, we're also going to get into State of Wrestling, of course, about 
what, a week and a half away from Clash of the Champions, the SmackDown pay-per-view, the last pay-per-view of the year, uh, which is interesting. It's got some interesting things heading into it, but the most interesting stuff of the week, I think, was happening over on Raw. Comments that Roman Reigns made about where he stands on the list of, of best wrestlers in the world. Uh, Woken Matt Hardy officially becoming Woken. Uh, a lot. A lot. And the women's division. Uh, I definitely want to dive deep into the women's division this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So we'll get to all of it. Uh, but for you video game fans out there, this week... WWE 2K18 came out for the Nintendo Switch. It's the first WWE game ever for the Nintendo Switch. And if you guys are Nintendo Switch fans, this is one that you got to have. You know, if you're sitting there on an airplane and you're like, oh, I wish I had 2K18, but my Xbox won't fit on this plane. But I don't have room for a PS4 in my carry-on with a monitor and a, and a, and a connector and all that stuff. Well, guess what? You should have gotten a Switch then because the Switch, the controller turns into a portable gaming device, and you'll be able to play 2K18 wherever you go. Uh, it's, got, it's got features specifically for the Nintendo Switch. The game was designed specifically for the system. So, it's a, it's a big, big time. If you're a Nintendo Switch user, make sure you get 2K18. And if you are a video game person and are looking for something to ask for for Christmas or something to give a video game person for Christmas, I would say Nintendo Switch and 2K18, a good choice. Very, very good choice. And that's coming from me that wouldn't just recommend everything. I mean, come on. Uh, but the reason why I say all that is because uh, the folks over at WWE 2K were kind enough to reach out to me and say, hey, Sam, would you want to talk to Alexa Bliss for a little bit? I said, yeah. I mean, I always want to talk to Alexa Bliss. Who out there would not want to talk to Alexa Bliss? So I said, yes, of course I do. Uh, do you mind if I share the conversation with all my wonderful, beautiful people who listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast? And they said, not only would we not mind, we'd appreciate it because it's a promotional tool. And I said, great, great. So then that's what we'll do. Have her give me a call. Uh, so I talked to Alexa Bliss this week, and Alexa Bliss is just in a really interesting time in her career. You know, I, I don't think... You can deny that she's one of the very best women on the roster, for sure, for sure. And as far as not only women, but superstars that have a grasp on their character, I would say Alexa Bliss is, is in the list of the top people. There's very few competitors, there's very few superstars who really have a, a grasp on their character and stay in character more than Alexa Bliss. And, and, and that, to me, goes a long way. It might be the most, it's certainly one of the most, if not the most valuable things that you can have as a performer is the ability to have a character that people believe. That when people see, when people see Alexa Bliss, they don't see, uh, they see the character. They see what's portrayed. When you see a photo of Alexa Bliss, you think of the person that you see on Monday Night Raw, not uh, a person you'll watch in a YouTube documentary. You don't you don't see the person that we saw in the you know my kid is a WWE superstar videos that they were doing, where we met Alexa's parents and uh, talked about her journey and the struggles that she went through in high school. And you don't see that cheerleader, right? You see the superstar Alexa Bliss. And that is solely her responsibility. That is solely the responsibility of Alexa Bliss to get that out there, 
and she's successful with it. And it's a really, really difficult thing to do. Um, so I, I, and, and it's not something that everybody can do. You have to have some kind of natural ability to portray that character. And she, she is doing an incredible job week in, week out, especially as this women's division becomes more varied, more interesting, and, and larger. You know, she's got to do more and more to kind of stick out. Let's keep in mind, when Alexa Bliss showed up, she showed up right in that afterglow of the women's revolution, right? I mean, you're talking about Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch show up on the main roster. And it becomes clear that it's time for the women's revolution to begin. It's time for the reformation of the divas division. And these are the women that are going to do it. And everybody sits there going, where's Bailey? Where's Bailey? Meanwhile, Alexa Bliss has been around the whole time. But she's just chilling down in Orlando with Blake and Murphy. Nobody really bringing her up. And then Alexa Bliss comes in. And it makes the division even fuller. And you have all of this going on. Meanwhile, the draft pops up. Alexa Bliss gets drafted. People didn't even necessarily, didn't predict that that was going to happen when Alexa Bliss got drafted. Nobody was sitting there going like, well, it's time. Bring Alexa Bliss up. You know, it was just kind of like, well, we have all this going on in the women's division. I guess at some point Alexa will be here. Alexa Bliss shows up. And instead of getting lost in the shuffle, which she could easily do, this could easily happen, she shines. Instead of getting lost in the shuffle of this Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, Becky thing that was happening, she sticks out like a sore thumb in the best possible way. She shines uh, just as bright, if not brighter, than all of them to the point where not only does she uh, win multiple championships, but she ends up getting drafted to Raw and becoming the champion on Raw. Not just getting drafted to Raw to fill out the division, getting drafted to Raw to uh, uh, lead the division, right? Charlotte gets drafted drafted to SmackDown, and WWE goes, well, who are we going to have lead this division if Charlotte's not on Raw? Alexa Bliss. Do you know how much responsibility that is to put on somebody's shoulders? But Alexa comes over, and no skin off her back. She does it, and she doesn't, none of us question it. Nobody question. nobody sits there going like, why is it Alexa Bliss? Why isn't it this person or that person? We go, yeah, that's, that's probably who it should be, because we're watching her performance. Then, and you have like you have great moments. You have disasters, like specifically the segment that she did leading to the Bailey Alexa Bliss match at Extreme Rules with the teacher and all that stuff. That some people said was the worst segment in the history of Raw, but a, a lot didn't work uh, leading up to that Bailey Alexa Bliss uh, match. And I wouldn't blame Alexa Bliss. I wouldn't blame Bailey. I wouldn't. I, I who knows? You never know. There's so many different working parts to this thing. Those of us who don't know can't begin to judge. However, at no point when we're watching segments that involve Alexa Bliss that don't necessarily work, at no point while we're watching those segments do we say, get rid of Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss isn't ready. We don't even lose sight of who Alexa Bliss is, which is remarkable, right? Remarkable. Because usually if a segment starts to die, the performer gets exposed. At no point does the performer Alexa Bliss, no matter who, how good or bad the segment is, at no point does that performer get exposed. And that's how you know you're dealing with somebody who is ahead of the curve, 
who is remarkable and who is uh, at the top of the heap. And that's who we're talking to today on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. She is uh, the women's champion of Raw right now. This is one of the people who you'll be able to play as uh, with your Nintendo Switch on WWE 2K18. This week's interview on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Alexa Bliss. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Back on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Alexa Bliss. Alexa, what's the haps? Oh, just hanging out with uh, my dogs and my pigs. What are you doing? With your pigs? I, I, I think I saw, is that a thing? You live in Florida, right? Yeah. So is that a, because I, I think I saw on like Liv Morgan's Instagram that she had a pig too. Is that, is that becoming a trend that I'm not aware of? I guess. I mean, I, I've always wanted a pig just because you know, I grew up in Ohio in a very farmy area that I grew up in. And a lot of people had, you know, farm animals. And I've always wanted a pig, either a pig or a bulldog, because I feel like they kind of look the same. But as soon as I had the <laughs> opportunity to get a pig, I was like, I'm not passing that up. Just, just whatever you can get with a snout on it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so was that like, did, was that the first marker of like, okay, you know what? I made it. I, this was a goal of mine. I wanted to be in the WWE. I wanted to become a wrestler. I'm now the, I'm, I'm on the main roster. I'm the women's champion. How do I celebrate this? Like I need to get the pig of my dreams. Exactly. Um, I don't know if you've seen, uh, there, I used to do a promo class with, uh, Scott Dawson. I used to like portray his girlfriend and almost every promo with Scott Dawson, I would always say, Oh, I want to pick up pig. And like, I'd like run off. And like, that was always like my thing I wanted. And, <laughs> So to be able to it's kind of come a little full circle. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Do you miss like like when you think back on it now? Does any part of you miss uh, that what it was to be an NXT, meaning the sort of regularity, the promo classes, the being at the PC all the time, and then going out on the weekends and doing those tiny shows, as opposed to feeling, I guess, a little more independent in the sense that you don't have to go to classes and things like that on the main roster. Like, do you, do you miss that at all? Or do you, or, or is the evolution exactly as it should be? Um, you know, I, I miss what I miss about NXT is I miss the, the family feel of it. You know, we, uh, we, at the time when I was in NXT, it was a, it was a smaller group. And so everyone was just, you know, it was like a family and you saw everybody every day and, you know, you had you were on a schedule where you had to lift every day. So I was definitely in better shape in NXT than I am. On the main <laughs> roster. But I'd say, like, that's about it. I, I love the independence that, you know, you get with being on the roster. Um, I love, you know, traveling that we get to do. I love interacting with all the fans, you know, all the opportunities that, we, that we're given with, you know, being on the main roster. And I just, I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's just so much fun. And it's, it's awesome. What is it? What's the difference like when you first show up on the main roster? I guess it's a little bit different now because of the venues that Takeover plays in. But I was thinking about it when I was watching some of the new women show up on Raw and SmackDown the last couple of weeks. Is that like I think a lot of these women are used to playing in or, or performing in venues that are like kind of small, like Full Sail or like the other uh, smaller buildings that NXT plays. Is there a massive difference? performing in front of whatever it is, 15 or 20,000 as opposed to 1,500 or less? Uh, or or has the have you been prepared so that you don't even really notice? Um, you know, NXT prepares you for literally everything from the main roster. And they, they probably over-prepare you. Um, you know, with 
everything that they have at the performance center to now NXT touring now. They they are doing venues that are, you know, the size of our live events. So they're they are more than prepared for when they come to the roster. And I don't think it's that much of a shift for them now coming up. Um, when I came in, I I feel like it's harder to perform in front of a smaller crowd like full sale than it is a larger crowd. I get more nervous for a full sale crowd than I do for, you know, because I feel like at full sale, you can make eye contact with every single person, and it's very scary. <laughs> and uh, it's it's for me, it's, it's it's easier to do the bigger crowds because you you feel more of the energy, and it's just it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess I guess in front of a bigger crowd, you're looking at the reaction being like a wave of people, right? Like the it's this collective audience. Whereas at full sale, if one person isn't reacting the way you want them to react, you're going to see them. Exactly. So, like, you don't, you drown out when for the big crowds, if someone, you know, making a mean comment about you, you don't hear it. <laughs> but at full sale, you'll definitely hear it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, uh, are you glad that you came up the way you came up? Because it, it seems like, aside from you, there's, there's there, I guess there's a handful, but you're one of the uh, people that stick out maybe you and Naya in terms of women that have been brought to the main roster, not in kind of a cluster, right? Like the Charlotte, Sasha, Becky Lynch group kind of came up all together. We see this new group kind of coming up all together. And while, you know, I'm sure that there's a comfort in it, you definitely benefited, I think, from from the idea of I'm, I'm going to sink or swim on my own. This is just Alexa Bliss, not the woman's revolution or, or, or absolution or whatever it is. It's just you. Are you glad that you came in that way? Or do you wish you'd had more of that comfort zone of people around you? No, absolutely. I'm so glad with the way that I came in, you know, with the draft, because, you know, in NXT, I didn't, I didn't wrestle very much. Um, that's, that's not something that people don't know. I spent majority of my NXT TV time, uh, valeting and being a manager and, being paired with Blake and Murphy. And I was in that group. I was in a group setting with NXT. And that's where I really learned to establish and build the Alexa Bliss character, which I'm very grateful for that. You know, I know, I know that I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for Blake and Murphy, allowing me to come into their group and, you know, learning this character and, you know, evolving it. And, you know, and they are very, very proud of me. And I'm very grateful for that. But I, I'm very glad that I went up to the main roster as a solo because, you know, I was definitely, I feel like, one of the most underwhelming draft picks because I didn't do much on NXT TV. I was just starting to get matches when I was brought up, which is, you know, I feel like that's why people, you know, say I can't wrestle or say I can't do anything and because, you know, I wasn't given the opportunity to show that. So I knew that, you know, coming into SmackDown Live, I had to, if I was going to be, you know, coming under the radar, I was going to come in under the radar, but then I was going to kick down the door and, you know, run with any opportunity that I was given because, you know, in WWE, if you don't run with an opportunity, a lot of times that opportunity doesn't come back. So at what point did you really, because you didn't, when you got to the main roster, I don't think anybody was saying anything about you not being able to wrestle. As soon as you started getting matches, it seemed like you were one of the best female wrestlers on the show. At what point do you feel like you really got good because it seems like that would be difficult to do without as much repetition as the other women have had. I don't think it's much as um, 
reputation is the fact that, you know, when I was in NXT, I was still training every day. I was still, you know, in the ring every day, working every live event. And because just because I wasn't showcased on NXT TV, I don't think people knew what skills I could do. And, you know, being a bad guy, I try not to do a lot of flashy moves and a lot of, you know, uh, I guess, good guy skills because that's not my character. And I feel like people take that as, you know, oh, well, she's not as skilled as, you know, Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, Becky, you know. Mm-hmm. But I take that as a challenge. I'm like, well, I can do all these things. I choose not to because I don't, I don't have to. My character isn't supposed to, you know, be flashy and be over the top. I'm supposed to, you know, be dirty in the ring. I'm supposed to kick and punch and I'm supposed to, you know, cheat and find ways to win at all, at all ways costs. Were you, were you aware how valuable your time with Blake and Murphy was while it was happening? Cause I could, cause now it's easy to say like, look, the Alexa Bliss character is one of, if not the best portrayed characters amongst the women and quite frankly, most of the men. Like you are a person who comes out there and people know exactly what the character is. They don't see the real person kind of sneaking through because you're not confident in it because that happens. Like the Alexa Bliss character is one that I think everybody buys into and it's one of the reasons why you've been so successful. Did you realize how valuable the Blake and Murphy time was to that before it started happening or was it once you got there and started going character heavy you go oh my god like all this time not wrestling but valeting put me exactly where I needed to be I had no idea um no from day one I knew that it was when, when I was told I was being close with Blake and Murphy I knew that that was my sink or swim moment because you know as a good guy on NXT I wasn't being written for my character wasn't believable I wasn't being used and in my mind when they told me I was going to be paired with Blake and Murphy I knew that I was going to have to do a character change so literally Wednesday night um, we had takeover and I pushed Enzo off the top rope and caused Blake and Murphy helped not cause but helped Blake and Murphy you know retain their championships and the next day I came in with completely different gear um, within a 24 hour period completely different gear completely different hair completely different look, completely different demeanor, because I knew that if I didn't run with this, probably wasn't going to have a job. So I knew that if I didn't have to worry about, you know, being in the ring and learning to portray this character, being on the sidelines and portraying this character was extremely important. So from that day, like, and we had, we had pitched this idea for eight months before it even happened. So, you know, we were prepared to, you know, make this group and make it what it was. And I knew from that moment, I remember watching, uh, I had my first match with Blake and Murphy and I watched it back on NXT that next week. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything. I look like just the old Alexa Bliss, but just holding two tag championships. So I knew that I had to be more vocal. I had to be a presence because if they were going to add me with Blake and Murphy, there needed to be a reason. And I know that, you know, I knew from day one that, any moment that I get with Blake and Murphy, it's going to be super beneficial and super um, helpful to my character because I would be able to learn a new character, develop this character without being in the ring. And I feel like sometimes that's where your character development comes better is when you're not wrestling because a lot of times you're focused on the match or the moves and you don't have those time to portray your character. But if you're on the outside and you make your character this, this force, 
than it'll portray in the ring. That's really amazing. And I feel like what you're talking about is really the strength of the NXT program because the idea is not that they do everything for you and then allow you to succeed that way. The idea is that you've now been taught enough that you as a performer can watch your performance and say, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to change that you're kind of aware enough of the whole thing that you know that you have to make the character changes. You're not waiting for somebody else to say, okay, hey, Alexa, why don't you, why don't you dye your hair? Hey, why don't you start wearing the Freddy Krueger sweaters? Hey, why don't you start, like, this is something that you kind of took the ball with and were able to mold into, into displaying part of your actual personality. Is that right? Absolutely. You know, if, if, if it weren't for NXT, like, it, I wouldn't be nearly what I am because, you know, NXT, they, they help you, they prepare you, but they also say do it on your own. So right. they give you all the tools to succeed, and they always say you get out you get out of it what you put into it. So when I changed my hair color and I did all these things, it was more so for me to experiment and see what works, what doesn't work. And, you know, we had skull sessions, but we watched things back. And I started noticing that when I threw a fit in the ring, people reacted to it. <laughs> so I would keep it. When I started slapping people, it got a reaction. So I kept doing it. So it's just more of um, learning and evolving. And I, I just tried to become, you know, what I always thought. Like when I first came up, like with Blake and Murphy, I was thinking, I want to be that girl in high school that I knew. There's always that girl in high school that everyone knows. The girl that's mean, uh, spiteful, just very, just, oh, that girl in high school that everyone hated. But everyone still wanted to know what she was doing. And everyone still voted for her for Tom Queen. And that's what I wanted to portray because, you know, I've, I've met those girls and everyone knows that girl. And I feel like that's something that's relatable to everybody. And I said, okay, now how do I take that and put it into, into, you know, wrestling and evolve that. And it's just a lot of, you know, watching your stuff back and seeing, okay, that works. That doesn't work. It's just a reaction. That doesn't. It's just amazing. And it's so cool to see. And it's such a great story. And it's led you to being a part of a big part of WWE 2K18, you're you're now getting to to play yeah. as this character that you created um, in real life is now being put out uh, in the game. How did that feel the first time that you saw yourself in 2K18 and got to to play as yourself and everything? Oh my gosh, it's awesome! Uh, I remember telling my mom, I was like, you know, you made it when you become a, a video game character, and then I uh, I did, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, and the, <laughs> it was really cool to see, you know, my uh, my NXT year on there for last year's for 2K17, uh, my NXT entrance. Uh, it was really, it was just really cool because everything was spot on and perfect. And this year, like the graphics are so amazing. You know, they've updated my look with my new gear, which is awesome. And it's just, it's just so cool to see, and it's so fun to play, and it's, just, it's just awesome. That's excellent. Well, everybody, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you pick up WWE 2K18. It's out on uh, PlayStation and Xbox and now Nintendo Switch as well, and it's, uh, it's really, really great. The, the game evolves every year the same way uh, some of our favorite superstars evolve every year, and it's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome watching you become the performer that you're uh, – that you have become and that you are becoming, Alexa. It's, uh, it's pretty cool to see. And, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, of course, and I appreciate uh, you talking. No, thank you. I appreciate it. For sure. I'll talk to you soon. Here is Sam Roberts. 
always wonderful, Miss Alexa Bliss here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks to her and thanks to WWE 2K18 uh, for the help in the conversation with Alexa Bliss and enabling us uh, to share it with you here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget, Christmas is coming. Let's celebrate Christmas in the most Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast way possible. Uh, go to NotSam.com slash merch. If you go to NotSam.com slash merch, then you're going to see all the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirts available. You can get the Not Sam t-shirt, just the traditional straight-up Not Sam t-shirt, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the Sam Roberts 8-Bit, the Sam Roberts Hasbro action figure t-shirt. It's Hasbro-like. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff are over there. Uh, you can get the Figured Out t-shirt from me when I was a little kid. Get them now over at NotSam.com slash merch. If you tweet out any photos, I'll retweet it. But if you buy it as a gift for somebody for Christmas, don't tweet me until after you give it to them because if I retweet you, then even though they won't see your tweet, they might see my tweet retweeting you, and then the whole thing will be spoiled. So go to NotSam.com slash merch. And uh, uh, in the meantime, speaking of NotSam, I do have a, a YouTube show that comes on throughout the week, usually uh, two or three times a week, probably more like two times a week. Uh, it's called Sam Roberts Now, and it's live at youtube.com slash notsam whenever it is. Make sure you're subscribed to that YouTube channel, and you can see them. They're not. Uh, there'll be some wrestling on it. There'll be some non-wrestling on it, but uh, you'll be happy with who, what some of the topics are, who some of the guests are. I think you'll really enjoy it if you enjoy me. So go on over to youtube.com slash notsam. Uh, I didn't know... A lot of that stuff about Alexa Bliss. You know, that's why I really, I didn't expect that conversation to be so NXT heavy and what she was doing while she was in Orlando. But I guess I didn't, I didn't realize uh, that at any point she was close to being let go. And it really is interesting because now when we talk about Alexa Bliss, all, it's, it's only positive, right? It's only in, in the context of she's one of the premier female performers in WWE. But there was a time when she was not, right? There was a time in NXT where we didn't, she was not, where we didn't realize that what we were dealing with here. We didn't realize the potential that this person had. Uh, and it really seems, and I've interviewed her a couple times before, and I don't, you know, you never know based on a given day, but my sense in this conversation that we had this week was, She's very confident with where she is, and, and she's aware that she's in a spot that she deserves to be in. And I think that that's a really cool thing, because it's true. She really is in a spot that she deserves to be in, um, and I, I think that it's it's only positive for her. You know, I, I think that, that she should have that degree of confidence, because she is one of the premier performers uh, on the roster. And we'll talk a lot more about the women's division as we get into the state of wrestling because there's a lot more depth than there has been in a long time, and especially on Raw, on Raw specifically. And it really is uh, uh, opening up. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how all the players react with each other. So we'll talk about that in state of wrestling. I don't want to put the carriage before the horse, as it were. Uh, you know, the only time people would make a mistake like that is if they were overtired. And if you're overtired, you're probably not sleeping on the right mattress. Let me tell you about Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Look, 
They didn't just come up with one mattress and go like, all right, we got it. No. They revolutionize as they go. They sit there and they go to sleep and then they wake up in the morning and they go, how could I have made that better? And then they pass on the information to you through their mattresses. They've got three mattress models right now. Told you. Told you they keep revolutionizing this stuff. There's the original Casper. There's the Wave and the Essential. These Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. It's not just some sack filled with cotton, okay? They're, they're working towards making your natural geometry feel good. How many mattresses can do that? Not to mention, the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature throughout the night. So it's not one of these awful mattresses that you're just laying down on and it's sucking in all your body heat and you just feel like you're sleeping in your own filth. That never happens. Not with Casper because the mattresses are breathable and they cradle your geometry. It's delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that, sized box with free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. After all, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Listen, start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash roberts and using roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S, at checkout. That's casper.com slash roberts, offer code roberts, for $50 off your mattress purchase. Of course, terms and conditions apply, but what are you going to do? Hey, if you're not sleeping right, it's a problem. You got to make sure that you do. You ask any of these wrestlers, all they, they need to sleep. It lengthens their careers, and it can lengthen yours too, regardless of what your career is. So, as I said, so much to, uh, to, to dissect in the state of wrestling this week. We are approaching Clash of Champions. We are approaching uh, Final Battle for Ring of Honor. You know, it, it seems like with all this talk of Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and the All In Show, the Final Battle has not been talked about nearly as much as it should. But if you're following Dalton Castle on Instagram, he is preparing. He is preparing and he is ready to to uh, uh, try to de- defeat Cody Rhodes for the Ring of Honor Championship. Uh, I think it's going to be a, an amazing match. Look, if you haven't seen Dalton Castle wrestle before, I don't know what you're waiting for. His delayed belly-to-back suplex is among the most amazing things you'll ever see in your life, okay? This little man, he's not even little, he's a big man, but this man, as silly as he is, is one of the strongest dudes out there, Okay? So you're going to want to check it out. Uh, but let's get into all of it. I could, I could wax philosophical all day. But instead, I'm going to go ahead and start the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we go, State of Wrestling time. And yes, we are doing it once again live on Facebook. So if you want to join the State of Wrestling live and you get to hear it, you know, 12 hours before it's actually published to the podcast feed, as well as interact in the comment section as we go. Go to facebook.com slash notsam. Make sure you're friends with us there. And uh, every time I do State of Wrestling, I'll do it live on Facebook. You'll get a little alert. And if I'm reading comments, you'll know where they came from, right? Because otherwise, you'll be like, what are you guys talking about? Why do you keep reading what these people are saying? How do you know what they're saying? Well, because I got Facebook and I'm reading comments. So as I said, 
In about a week and a half, we've got a big weekend. The next two weekends, I don't maybe it's just on the East Coast, but there's a ton of independent shows on, on the East Coast this weekend. I think uh, WrestlePro is running and CZW is running. and just a, There's a ton of shows this weekend. And then next weekend, you've got Ring of Honor Final Battle in Manhattan on Friday. And then, of course, Clash of Champions in Boston on Sunday. I guess everybody's just trying to get all their stuff in before the end of the year. I, I love weekends like this. I love when, when, when wrestling piles up on us all of a sudden and we just have too much to handle. I'm never one of these guys that complains. Like, oh, how much wrestling do we need? Do we really need three shows? Yes, put on 150 shows. You know, if I can't watch wrestling, that's like one of the great problems in life to have. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, as I was saying before in the bridge segment, in how Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks balance promoting themselves with promoting the Ring of Honor brand, meaning everything that we've heard from Cody Rhodes in the last week or two and the Bucks has been all about this all-in show, this show where Cody and the Bucks are going to be performing in front of 10,000 people. They're going to finance it themselves to make it happen, and they're going to put on like a super show in an arena that a lot of people thought that these guys would not be wrestling in front of unless it was with a WWE flag flying. And while this is great, and I talked about last week why it was great for everybody involved and great for wrestlers and great for wrestling and great for fans, what I wonder is, as much as any press that's good for Cody Rhodes is good for Ring of Honor, how much attention do you want on Cody Rhodes versus Ring of Honor? Meaning, with only a week and a half, you know, 10 days at the time of this recording or so, till final battle. You've got everybody talking about this potential 10,000-seat show that Cody Rhodes is doing uh, next year, but I'm not hearing the same amount of excitement about the fact that Cody Rhodes and Dalton Castle are competing for the Ring of Honor heavyweight title at final battle. Could this have been timed poorly? Meaning, should the wave of promotion for this Cody thing be happening after final battle? Now, I understand the argument against that, which is, no, of course not, because we want all this publicity coming uh, for Cody Rhodes while we're promoting final battle, because then that's promotion for final battle, which is true, but again, nobody's talking about final battle. Everybody's talking about Cody Rhodes. So, I don't know. I just wish that as... As we were uh, promoting this, this Cody Rhodes thing, it was almost like, you know, Cody should be taking a couple shots in at Dalton Castle as he promotes this 10,000-seat thing, right? Cody should be reminding us that he's got this other thing that he's got to worry about. I'm on Dalton Castle's social media, and I see him giving, like, belly-to-back suplexes to tackle dummies in Cody Rhodes' t-shirts. So I know that he's all in. He's on board with this thing, right? But... The Cody news that I'm hearing is is news for next year, and I wish there was just somebody to keep us uh, keep us up with kayfabe a little bit, like like this idea that well, we don't know. Cody Rhodes is gonna wants to perform in front of ten thousand people, but will he be performing with the Ring of Honor Championship? Will he be performing as the champion? I don't know. Dalton Castle could take it from him at Final Battle. I don't know how tickets are doing for Final Battle. I would imagine they're doing well because Ring of Honor. 
uh, has been doing so well and generally does really well for Final Battle. So I don't, I don't think it's like this huge issue. But I do think that we should be talking about, at this point, with 10 days out before the pay-per-view, we should be talking about the Ring of Honor pay-per-view more than the potential show that's coming up next year. And hopefully, in the next week and a half, that is where the conversation will move. But I kind of doubt it, because at the moment, Cody Rhodes is the fun story. The stuff that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are doing is the story. Dino says that he thinks Final Battle tickets are sold out. I wouldn't be surprised. I would I would not be surprised at all if Final Battle tickets were sold out. But that said, the thing's on pay-per-view, right? There's no, there's never too much promotion for something that's on pay-per-view. So that, that I, I, I do think, because... I personally feel like Ring of Honor pay-per-views are not promoted properly. I, as a fan, half the time don't remember that there's a Ring of Honor pay-per-view on a given weekend. Part of that is because they move days. Like, sometimes it's a Sunday, sometimes it's a Friday. Another part of that is here in New York, we don't get Ring of Honor TV. So the TV isn't there to remind us. And I just think that when you have a guy like Cody Rhodes, who has access to the mainstream wrestling fan. Cody Rhodes, the things that Cody Rhodes say get published. ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, all the big names talk about Cody Rhodes. So if we're all going to be talking about Cody, I wish there was a way to make sure it also included a reminder to order Final Battle on pay-per-view just because I want to see Ring of Honor succeed the same way I want to see uh, uh, all of these succeed. Bobby says, any publicity is good publicity, don't you think? yes. Of course. Like I said, it's not bad for Ring of Honor that Cody's doing this. It's not bad at all. But there, what you, I, I look at this as, as uh, opportunity, right? There's potential here. And I'm not sure that looking at it from Ring of Honor's perspective, all of the potential is being capitalized on. All promotion is good promotion, but you've got your champion out there, so there should be a lot of promotion. Can you imagine, uh, uh, you know... I, you know, I was going to say, can you imagine Brock Lesnar going out and just promoting himself instead of WWE? And the answer is yes, of course you can. So that's a bad example. But I, AJ Styles wouldn't do that. You know, if AJ Styles had this other thing going on over here, he would also have the WWE championship with him. And there'd be a reminder that, hey, just so you know, at Clash of Champions, I'm going to be fighting Jinder Mahal a week from Sunday. You always see, always, 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 always with WWE. And I just think that that's a, that's a lesson uh, for people to, to for people to uh, uh, be aware of, uh, Ring of Honor social media besides the wrestlers promoting themselves stinks. Yeah, I you know I do think that Ring of Honor relies heavily on the talent, and I don't think that that's enough. I think that um, Ring of Honor as a brand needs to mean something. It's not enough to say, well, in Ring of Honor we have the the Bullet Club, and we have the Briscoes, and it's where Adam Cole and and Red Dragon and all your NXT favorites, Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn, all these guys came from here and Daniel Bryan. Like, yes, that's all well and good. And we sometimes have Kenny Omega here. Yep, great. However, the brand needs to mean something. And if Cody Rhodes is going to be signed to an exclusive in North America deal with Ring of Honor, then it should be like, hey, here's Ring of Honor superstar Cody Rhodes to promote something. And it's okay if it's something for him. But it should still be... Uh, 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 something there, right? It should still be some kind of like Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor. Here's Cody Rhodes, right? Ring of Honor. 
That's how WWE does it, and it works for WWE. They are a promotional beast. Everybody talks about what a promotional monster WWE is. So, I mean, and that's why. It's not an accident. This stuff doesn't happen by mistake, right? Right. So, as we, uh, as we keep going, we, 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 we talk about the weekend. We talk about the, the world of wrestling, right? We talk about Cody Rhodes um, and how he's opened up the conversation about wrestling to go beyond WWE. Uh, Bullet Club, Ring of Honor, New Japan, all goes beyond WWE at this point, right? Corey Graves debuts his new show straight to the source on the WWE Network. I think it's a good show. I like Corey Graves a lot, um, and I like watching Corey Graves interview WWE superstars because there's a realness to it because he's buddies with them, you know? I mean, Graves is friends with Roman Reigns, so I like seeing Roman Reigns get interviewed by his buddy about stuff that we care about as wrestling fans. I like that I, I watch the show, and they said next week it's going to be Corey Graves interviewing Enzo Amore. That's really interesting to me because Corey Graves uh, uh, takes a big crap on Enzo Amore every time he comes out, and he's been doing it for years. I want to see what a face-to-face meeting with Corey Graves and Enzo Amore looks like. I think that it's a it's a good idea for a show. But um, the the controversy started when Roman Reigns jumped on, and he told Corey Graves, without question, beyond a shadow of a doubt, inarguably, in his mind, he is the best wrestler alive. He's the best at what he does. He's the best in the world right now. Which, you know, is a, is a bold statement. I think it's the statement he should be making, not because it's true, but because anybody who's in the position that Roman Reigns is in should believe that they are the best. If, if we are expected to believe that they are the best, they need, we need to know that they believe that they are the best. Right? Doesn't that make sense? If 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 they're sitting there uh, and we're being told that guy's the dude, I need to look at him and know he's the dude. And that is a place that Roman Reigns needs to get to. I believed him when he said it on the Corey Graves show. I think in the past, some of the difficulty in people cheering for Roman Reigns has been about this thing of like, I don't believe that he believes he should be there. I think there is some doubt in the back of his eyes. And as intense as he is, and as much as he wants it, I think that he knows that this is all a new, strange world to him. It's been a few years of being arguably the top guy, definitely one of the top guys, probably the top guy, save John Cena maybe, uh, getting booed, getting cheered, getting hurt, getting sick, winning titles, losing titles, like up and down, right? Headlining WrestleMania. Missing whatever, TLC. You know, there, a, lot's, a lot's happened in the last two or three years. And I think that, that, uh, that Roman is in this place now where he has a newfound confidence. And I think that he has convinced himself and believes that he's the best. And I think that you should, you know, listen to what Stone Cold Steve Austin says. He, he, he says that like, if you don't want, he's one of the first guys to say, if you don't want to be the best, if you aren't here to be the champion, you're in this business for all the wrong reasons. And I want to know that Roman Reigns wants to be at the top of the pile. I want to know that the reason Roman is there is because he's the dude, Right. Or at least he thinks he is. So that 
to me is a positive. And he also, by saying that, injects his name into the conversation. So now we have this conversation, and even if we disagree with him, we're still having the conversation, right? So where before we might be like, well, who's the best uh, wrestler there is? Uh, what is it, Kenny Omega? What is it, Okada? Hmm, who's the best? Now Roman Reigns has said, I am. And we go, I don't think he is. Well, have you ever thought about it? And that conversation happens. And it's always a good thing for your name to be uh, interjected in the story of who's the best. Colton says it right here. That's what Dusty Rhodes told DDP. Try to be the top dog or go home. And that's what Roman's doing. And that's a criticism that a lot of the older guys have of the younger guys, that they see uh, some degree of complacency that they're not used to, that they see a certain degree of younger guys being happy to be on TV as opposed to wanting to be the top guy. That now there is more of this feeling of it's out of my hands. Well, that guy's the boss. He's going to decide who's the best and who's the worst. And it's totally out of my hands as far as, uh, uh, you know, what my spot is, which I don't think is true. History is dictated that it that is not true. Even if that's attempted, I don't think that that's true. Um, and I think that, that Roman Reigns is owning that. And in a way, it's as if Roman Reigns is actually listening to the advice of his of his elders and coming forward with like, hey, I am going to be the guy. So he's listening to the advice of, of people that are saying, go be the guy. And at the same time, sitting there going, but I'm still going to be better than you. Still having that rebelliousness to him, which I think is good. Now, now we start the conversation. Is Roman the best? Somebody in the chat says, uh, Roman just can't talk. He can't be the best if he can't talk. I, I don't think Roman can't uh, talk, and I think he's only gotten better, and I think there are scenarios where Roman's actually great at talking. I don't think Roman is the guy who is built for talking for, you know, 15 minutes in front of a live audience. Um, but I think the stuff that Roman was doing with John Cena uh, ended up being really, really great. He looked silly at first, and then de it developed into something that was really, really cool, and we were all interested in the promos. The promos... Between the John Cena with the John Cena Roman Reigns match this year, the promos leading to it were better than the match itself, and that was a twofold thing. And that's because it felt real. Um, do I think that Roman Reigns is the best wrestler there is? No, no, I don't think that you can realistically make that statement. I think that he's better than most people give him credit for, and I think that he deserves more credit for the good matches that he's been in. You know, a lot of the matches that he's been in, and the same thing used to happen to John Cena. A lot of the matches that he's been in, uh, credit is given to the other guy in there. Credit is given to AJ Styles. Credit is given to John Cena. Credit is given to whoever it is that's wrestling Roman Reigns and not necessarily given to Roman Reigns. So, and I don't think that's fair. You know, I, I do think that the dance partner matters. And Roman Reigns has had matches that are not great, and that's because pairings just haven't worked. Roman Reigns cannot have a great match with anybody, but Roman Reigns can have great matches with a lot of different people, which is something, right? It's not fair to say that that's nothing. Roman Reigns is very, very good. Roman Reigns is one of the best. I don't think it's fair to say he's not. I, I, I think that uh, to say he's not... 
one of the best is is kind of getting blinded by hatred for him. And the best wrestler, I, I think, breaks down to many different categories, you know, because it's not just in the ring, but it's not just promo. It's not just entrance, but it's not just merchandise, right? There are so many different categories, ticket sales, merchandise, uh, theme music, uh, Spotify plays, uh, interviews, uh, match quality, match length, opponents, uh, fan reaction, you know, all this stuff that you can measure on. Because you sit there and you go, yeah, but he sold more t-shirts. Okay, well, that's one part of it. Yeah, but listen to the pop. Okay, yeah, but that's one part of it. Yeah, but in this city, okay, that's one part of it too. For my money, the best wrestler working right now is AJ Styles in the world. AJ, to me, is the best in the world. I think, you know, and, and I don't watch New Japan as regularly as I watch WWE, so maybe it's unfair, but I think I watch it more than the average person. Certainly more than the average bear. The average bear watches it zero times uh, a year. Doesn't have TV. They're a bear. However, uh, I watch New Japan, you know, here and there. I, I, I keep up with it enough. And I think that in terms of best in the world, Kenny Omega is in the conversation. Okada is in the conversation. At one point, Shinsuke Nakamura was in the conversation. He's not today, but that's not to say he won't be again. Um, I think there, there, there is, there is a full conversation. I don't think Cody Rhodes is in the conversation at the moment for best wrestler in the world, but he's in the conversation for, uh, one of the best, right? Because of, of what he's been able to do, because he does have matches that are great because he's taking wrestling in a whole different direction. Uh, I, I think that, that. That that's part of it. I see Alan. He says right now for him, AJ Styles and Alexa Bliss are the top two wrestlers in the world. I I wouldn't put Alexa Bliss uh, in that column because, but honestly, if we were listing the best wrestlers in the world, I would put Charlotte on that list. And that's that's a, a bold statement because I'm not saying that we have a male list and a female list and AJ's on one and Charlotte's on the other I mean we just make a list of the best performers in the world and AJ Styles and Charlotte are both on that list but I think Kenny it's hard to not put the matches that they have had it's hard to not put Kenny Omega and Okada on that list where does Roman Reigns fall on that thing? I think Roman Reigns is top 10 best in the world. I I don't know exactly. I'd have to go down and make a full list. You know, he's good. And 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 he probably will be the next big top guy. And there's not especially in WWE, there's not that many that are better than him. But I I would I would honestly I'd probably put Charlotte above Roman Reigns in terms of who's the best wrestler in the world. Just because, I mean, Charlotte makes me believe every single thing that she does. And I think that Roman has a lot more pressure on on his shoulders. He's got a lot more on his plate to deal with because he's got to convince people of more than Charlotte does. Like, Roman kind of walked in almost, you know, within two years of being in WWE, Roman had to start the uphill battle of convincing people that he could lead the company. And when I say people, I mean fans. This isn't a locker room thing. He had to convince us 
that he could run the company, which is a lot to have to deal with. Whereas Charlotte just got to be this person like, whoa, where did she come from? Nature Boy's daughter, you say? That's interesting. And then, you know, got to grow like that. Sometimes it's difficult to grow with uh, a lot with the amount of eyes on you that have been on Roman since he showed up. You know, no doubt when Roman started getting put in main event slots, he wasn't ready to be the guy that led the company. But I think that, uh, that the WWE decided that, look, we have to get him ready. And the only way we're going to get him ready is by putting him in the position. So let's go. Let's do it. Sink or swim right now. Which may not be the greatest thing in the world because now you're left in a position where Roman Reigns may be ready. But all of us have watched him grow. We've all had our eyes on him. And he's been growing in the top spot as opposed to we've watched him grow and now he gets to be in the top spot. So we all see top spot Roman as the guy who was there maybe before he was ready. And that makes it difficult, I think, for him to convince us. That makes it difficult for for us to buy in. And maybe when he does get to a place where he's the best, if he can get there, we won't be ready to accept that because we've become so used to to this Roman. Um, Derek says, just don't give him 30-minute promos like... Uh, oh, a lot of comments are coming in. Don't give him 30-minute promos like Seth, was, uh, like Seth was back in the champ days. Look, Seth Rollins would have been in the conversation... Uh, a few months ago as well. And he could be back in the conversation at any moment. There's a lot of really good wrestlers out there right now. And there's a big conversation to have. I understand why Roman is saying what he's saying. And Roman is saying the right thing. I want to know that the guy who is going to be the top guy in WWE feels that WWE is the best place in the world to do this. And that's what Roman is saying. If you are the best in WWE, you are the best in the world. And whether that's true or not, I want to know that the, every guy in WWE feels that way. I see Connor saying hashtag Finn over. It's another conversation to have. You know, a year ago, I think all of us would have been talking about this idea, maybe not a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we would have been talking about this idea of Finn Balor being in the conversation of best wrestler in the world. And I think, no doubt, when Finn Balor showed up on the main roster... That's kind of where we thought it was going, right? We kind of felt like it was headed in a direction of Finn Balor as the next AJ Styles. He beat Roman Reigns his first night out. He won the Universal Championship right away. But at this moment, Finn Balor, even if he is the best wrestler in the world, is not being put in a position to prove that to us. He's not. Finn Balor is not being put in a position to show us Hey, he's the best in the world. He could get back there, but he's not there right now. You know, right now, it seems like he's just getting beat by Kane so that eventually Braun Strowman can beat Kane, which I don't think doesn't seem wholly necessary to me, but that's what we're doing right now. So it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, I, 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 I don't think that most people would agree with Roman Reigns at this moment saying that he is the best in the world. But as I said, I think that we need to believe that he believes that he's the best in the world. Uh, I believe that. 
Sam says, I would even put Brock over Roman, and he's part-time. He's way more over. I like Roman, but this uh, exact conversation is what WWE fans, why WWE fans dislike him. I don't think that that's fair. I think that R- Roman should be going out there and saying, I'm the top dog, I'm the best. I don't think that Roman Reigns came across dislikable at all in the interview. And honestly, Brock Lesnar, when he wants to wrestle, when he wants to be a performer, is undeniably one of the best, if not the best. Did you see his match with AJ Styles? If you watch Brock Lesnar with AJ Styles and you watch Brock Lesnar with Samoa Joe, then you, you can be guaranteed Brock Lesnar is one of, if not the best, in the world right now. But Brock Lesnar doesn't want to wrestle that often. Brock Lesnar doesn't want to do stuff that often. He's not one of the best in the world in every match he has. Sometimes he shines through and you remember that Brock Lesnar is really amazing at pro wrestling. Brock Lesnar is great with with MMA. He's good at football. He is amazing when it comes to pro wrestling. And it's interesting because I get the feeling that Brock Lesnar doesn't like pro wrestling that much. He just happens to be extraordinarily good at it, which that's his cross to bear. But when Brock Lesnar wants to be, he's one of the best in the world, in the world, in the world. But that's when he wants to be. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, But... A big thing happened on Raw that I see a lot of people on Facebook are asking about, and that is the return, the the debut, the reincarnation of Woken Matt. Woken Matt Hardy. Not broken, Woken. And people are were asking me, hey, Sam, what do you think of, of Woken Matt? Why Woken instead of Broken? Does TNA still own Broken? No. Uh, TNA, first of all, TNA doesn't own the word Broken, obviously. And the essence of the character would not have been able to be performed if TNA did own the Broken character. However, if, if TNA or Impact or whatever it's called these days does not own Broken, then... WWE doesn't, you know, you can, you, can, you can bet that if TNA doesn't own it, Matt Hardy would be the one who owns Broken. He created it outside of WWE. The same way uh, The Miz was calling himself The Miz before he was in WWE. The same way CM Punk was CM Punk before and after. The same way MVP was MVP before and after. If you created something outside of WWE, they're not going to claim intellectual property over it unless you sell it to them. Unless in the deal they make with you, you allow them ownership of your name, which could happen. If they cut you a sweet deal, why not? But I would imagine that in an effort to create something that they could own for all of time, WWE decided to change Broken Matt to Woken Matt. And I actually think that Woken Matt is better than Broken Matt because now Woken Matt can talk about being woke. That's, that's uh, contemporary. That's culturally relevant. Woke. That's what the kids are saying. That's what the protesters talk about. You know? Uh, Connor says, how can you see them uh, introducing Brother Nero and Jeff returns from injury? Uh, They could. You know, I don't know if they've thought that far in advance. I don't know if WWE... um, I don't think WWE thought to themselves, okay, we're going to make Matt Hardy woke in Matt Hardy, and it's going to be a monster. Because there's no reason to think that. Because the broken character, number one, was created outside of WWE. 
which means it may not translate to the WWE audience. I don't buy it because if you go to WrestleMania and you look around, there's about 80,000 people all chanting delete. I think you can you can take a wild guess that the WWE audience is behind the broken character. However, you can't just assume it's going to work because it worked elsewhere. Number two, it's been months, right? It's been gone. So people wanted it at first. Who knows if they still want it? Who knows if that's still in them? And number number three, it's different. It's 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 woken. It's not broken. So you know, who knows? But I think that uh, it's undeniable. If you go to the WWE's YouTube channel, you can see that the woken Matt Hardy video uh, from Raw this week has 1.3 at the time of this recording million hits already. And we record this on Wednesday. Less than 48 hours have gone by, and it's up to 1.3 million. Now, I watched it thinking that there is a chance this doesn't work, right? Because it wasn't just Matt Hardy getting to do a Woken promo the way he would. I mean, you remember when, when, when Matt Hardy was broken, Matt Hardy and TNA, they would give him 20 minutes of TV to just produce whatever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted to do and take as long as he wanted to. They gave him an entire episode. TNA gave him an entire episode, a whole two hours of TV. It was literally all they had. So now you're like, okay, we're taking this character and we're containing it, right? So they put together Bray Wyatt and Woken Matt and they started going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And in the very beginning, when I realized they were doing that, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this may dilute the Woken Matt Hardy character because would mean that people have to also kind of be behind Bray Wyatt. And guess what? We may be dealing with a possibility that Woken Matt Hardy is going to be able to bring Bray Wyatt to a place that he wasn't previously at. Woken Matt Hardy is working, and it's working huge. The only reason why when he first started doing the delete, delete, delete thing, when he started to kind of make his metamorphosis on Raw a couple weeks ago, is because... He's been doing the delete, delete, delete thing subtly the entire time he's been on Raw, and I don't think the fans caught on to it. I think that the fans didn't realize that what he was doing was uh, bringing back this character that everybody has asked for for so long. So um, so I think that, that, that that's the only reason why it wasn't as big as it could have been, but I am blown away and so excited at this. At what's going on with the whole thing because it's so good. It's so good for Matt Hardy. And the reason why it works as well as it does is because Matt has the character back and he's tweaked it a little bit, I think. It's only been a week, but it feels like he is trying to create a differential between Broken Matt and Woken Matt so that the people that were following the Broken Saga can now look at the Woken character not as this like sort of the same thing but ripoff, but actually an evolution of what the Broken character was. And that's why Matt Hardy is a genius. Matt Hardy has decided to, to shift, to, to shift this just a little bit, to evolve the character just a little bit, stay woke, is now like this obnoxious thing that, uh, 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 that protesters and millennials say. But for Matt Hardy, it means something completely different, right? And 
he's able to and 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 he's and he's sunk in his teeth so deeply into it that he's there it's him right now where does this leave bray though is the question look where did it leave bray before it's not like bray wyatt is in this spot of like oh he's in such high regard you know honestly if you really think about it if wwe is dead set on turning bray wyatt into a lady sister abigail You've now got a trans Bray Wyatt and a woke Matt Hardy. That might be the most culturally relevant feud in, in WWE today. To go trans and woke, it's what everybody's talking about. Why not? I think that woke and Matt Hardy can actually, because he's able to tell such bizarre stories and make us believe them and care about them and get on board with them, I think that Woken Matt Hardy can put Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt and bring him in to his crazy Woken world and actually make it work. I don't think there was a snowball's chance in hell that the demon Finn Balor and Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt was going to work together. Ever. I think that the best thing that could have happened is Bray took a backseat for the moment. Everybody knows how much I love Bray Wyatt. For the moment, and let the Finn Balor-AJ Styles match happen. But if you're talking about Awoken Matt Hardy, Awoken Matt, I don't see any reason why he can't bring out the best in the Sister Abigail character. I believe that Woken Matt and Sister Abigail is a program, is a rivalry, is a match that can make sense. You know, I, I, I think that it's, it's probably the only context where it's not going to be really, really bad to see Bray Wyatt dressed up as Sister Abigail because the Woken world is such a crazy, weird world anyway that why not? Why not have Bray Wyatt with a veil on? Why not? It could it could, it could be really really good. Do you think they both film a broken style scene with Bray and and Matt? Um you know, they tried that a little bit. I hope not because I feel like everything they've done with Bray offset has not quite worked. The House of Horrors match with Randy Orton, the Wyatt family versus New Day thing on the Wyatt family farm, like all that stuff. I was like, I, if this had just been in the ring, it would have been a lot better. I don't know why we're doing all this. So I don't, and I, and I also think that it would be retreading stuff that was already done. You know, I, I think it would be, it would be, feel too much like we were just trying to repeat Broken Matt, which I don't think we should do. I think we should uh, discover newness in the wokenness of Matt. And I believe that in normal contexts, it would be very difficult for Woken Matt to become popular as a character in the WWE landscape, on the WWE's platform. But I don't think that Matt is going to let that happen. I don't think Matt is going to allow himself to not prosper in this character. I feel like Matt has worked too hard at creating this character and worked too hard at getting this character into the WWE and therefore will not allow it to fail at all. Uh, Dino says, that the match makes sense, 
but it's kind of a bad look for WWE since WWE tried to copy them when Broken was so hot. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't think... I think that Sister Abigail versus Woken Matt has to happen in a WWE ring. You know, and I don't think you need a bunch of tchotchkes hanging around the ring. Like, I think you can just... I think you can get out everything that you need to get out through pure character work. Allow Matt to just go nuts inside this character and then let Bray feed off of that and respond to it and go crazy as his own sister. Like, we can get some really fun moments if we do that. But I think we need to do a lot more live, a lot more in the ring stuff. Um... You know, I I don't think the back and forth to me, it's fun right now because we're being introduced to this Woken character, but I've always felt that when you have something that is clearly edited, it gives me the impression that it's more of a highlight reel. And I have not seen the promos, like like, you can't watch the package that was shown to us between Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy and think to yourself, oh, they're going back and forth. Like they can hear each other and they're talking back and forth because they're clearly not. It's clearly an edited together package, which is okay when you're telling a story based on events that have already happened. But if we're going to be learning about these events through stuff that's been pre-recorded but we didn't see them originally, um, I think that, that that always leaves a little bit of emptiness. So I think that it's important that as much stuff as possible happens live. But I think that that's okay. I think that you you let these guys be the characters that they are. Woken Matt, the new leader for Broken Bray. You know, you know like you know, we talk about brother Nero, what if Bray Wyatt is the new brother Nero? What if Bray Wyatt starts to follow Woken Matt? You know? I mean, you you say, "Well, I don't want that for Bray. I want Bray to be the Bray that we thought he was going to be, but he's not." Right? Maybe it's not the craziest idea for Bray Wyatt to become a follower of Woken Matt for a little bit. I don't mind it. Again, what would I like for Bray Wyatt? I'd love to see Bray Wyatt uh, go straight to the top and and be uh, crafted carefully to become the closest thing to a new incarnation of the Undertaker character. Not in the sense that he's the dead man, in the sense that his character is carefully protected and, uh, and feared. And long-lasting, because I think that potential is there in the Bray Wyatt character. But in the meantime, that's not happening. So, why not? You know, a lot of people, uh, some people say that that would kill Bray, maybe. But, like, you know, everybody says that would kill Bray, that would kill Bray. Everything that could kill Bray has already happened to Bray, and he's not dead. Right? If Bray is still standing after everything that that character has been through then I wouldn't be too worried about what happens to him. He's going to survive. He's really good. I wouldn't advocate for Bray to become a follower of, of Woken Matt, but crazier and worse things have happened, even to those people. Um, it says, uh, uh, Chase says, I'm very concerned that WWE is going to ruin this character for Matt. I honestly think the Hardy Boys should have had one match at WrestleMania. Uh, WWE history, uh, they have always shown that... Uh, they are not good for the Hardy Boys. What? WWE history has always shown they are not good for the Hardy Boys. No, they haven't. What are you talking about? WWE has been great for the Hardy Boys. They revolutionized tag team wrestling, and then Jeff Hardy became the WWE champion multiple times. What do you mean? And version one was so cool. Look like Windows Media Player? 
WWE is great for the Hardy Boys. Both of them. They had a lot of years there. They went from jobber to WWE champion. That's amazing. Bray's in the same boat as Ziggler. I don't think that that's true. Bray Wyatt has a, a specific character. Bray Wyatt has a, has a, has a, a developed uh, uh, character. Bray, uh, Ziggler doesn't, you know. Um, Ziggler is, is, is just a guy who's a good wrestler. Bray Wyatt has, has a character that at any moment you could decide to pull the trigger on. I, I firmly believe that at any moment you could decide to start taking Bray Wyatt seriously and he would be taken seriously again. But you just have to really take him seriously. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot. There's a lot to digest, but I do think that Woken Matt has the potential to succeed mainly because of how seriously Matt Hardy takes it. That's, that's what I think is going to be the difference maker is that Matt Hardy takes it very, very seriously. And he's the one that's going to ensure that the character survives. Speaking of characters, I want to talk about the women's division a little bit. First of all, how great on SmackDown was Daniel Bryan just losing his mind with the women. Stop it! <laughs> like, no, there's no way anybody told him to keep that going on that long. <laughs> He's just having a good time. It's my favorite thing ever. I had to rewind it and watch it again. Stop it! <sighs> it was great. It was great, uh, and that, that's what makes Daniel Bryan so great, that no matter, even if he's doing stuff that he doesn't particularly, uh, that he wants, he, even if, he's, if there's something that he'd rather be doing, in his case, uh, wrestling, he still is going to have a good time out there, and he was on SmackDown. Um, but I want to talk about the women's division, um, not necessarily on SmackDown, but on Raw. Raw's women division, women's division has more depth than it has in... In years, if not ever, you're looking around and the tears that you have right now uh, in terms of the women is really remarkable. You've got Nia Jax, who's this kind of unbeatable monster that even though she's been beaten, she's not like the Braun Strowman of the women's division. She's still like a serious threat. They've done a good job of maintaining uh, uh, her as a threat to the other women on the roster. You've got Asuka, who's still undefeated, right? Who's like the uncrowned champion. But then you've got Alexa Bliss, who's actually the champion and who's a credible champion, who doesn't just seem like somebody who's holding on to the title uh, before the real champion takes it. Then you've got uh, uh, Paige, right? And Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, that whole faction that looks like they've got championship written all over them, specifically Paige, of course, with absolution by her side, but you know what I'm saying. You've still got Sasha Banks and Bailey that are sitting there that at any moment could be brought up a level. And then right under that, I would think, you've got Mickey James, you've got Alicia Fox, both of whom are credible contenders. Alicia Fox and Mickey James are both excellent. So, uh, and then, you know, and, and Dana Brooke is there too, which. You know, she tapped out to Asuka in like five seconds. So she's there, and I'm not trying to discredit her, but she did tap out to Asuka in five seconds. All that said, there is more depth on the Raw women's roster 
than I've seen in a long time. And I think it's really cool because it's leaving us in a space where, uh, let's be honest, uh, right before Absolution debuted and we were watching the Fatal 4-Way to find out who the number one contender is for the Women's Championship, we were kind of left saying this feels like it's a record on repeat. I can't help but feel like we have seen this over and over and over again. You know what I mean? But we turn around and what happens? Everything's changed. Everything's different now. We're looking at a world where there are are, are many different possibilities. Like, I don't know who the title contender is going forward. It seems like Nia Jax is starting this thing that with with uh, 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 Enzo. So maybe Nia Jax is going to be outside of the story for a little bit, which makes sense because you save her for later. Okay, so Nia Jax is outside of the story for a little bit. Um, you've got Paige, who seems like she's got an issue with Asuka. So maybe they're going to have Paige and Asuka, but the last thing you'd want to do is have either one of them cancel the other one out because they're both major title contenders at the moment. And then Alexa Bliss is just in the middle going, what do you want from me? Maybe you have uh, maybe you have some kind of a triple threat going forward. Maybe at the Royal Rumble, you'll see a triple threat between Asuka, Paige, and Alexa Bliss. It's possible. You know, may, or, or, you know, there's still a lot of time before the Royal Rumble. So maybe something different happens between uh, then and now. Uh, I see uh, uh, Monica says, I'm so excited that Sonya Deville is on Raw. I am too. And Mandy Rose. I think that Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose and Paige is, is a serious faction. Raw, Raw has really beefed up the women's roster. You know, it's really interesting that uh, when the draft first happened, there was a conversation between star power, right? They're saying like, okay, Raw has more star power, but there's a lot of SmackDown star power. Now, you, it's not even close on either the women's side or the men's side. The Raw side is loaded with talent that SmackDown could use. I think that, 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 like Finn Balor, for example, Finn Balor should be on SmackDown. No doubt about it. Finn Balor should be on SmackDown and go over with the Good Brothers. Put Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows on SmackDown as well. I'd like to see Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows and have a, a rivalry with the, with the Bludgeon Brothers. Who, by the way, the Bludgeon Brothers, it's really, really interesting because the Bludgeon Brothers wrestling are amazing, but the gimmick still feels cartoony. I love what they're doing. I love their style. Maybe it's just the outfits. I don't know. There's something about them that feels cartoony, but their style and the way they beat the crap out of people is awesome. So I'm interested to see what the Bludgeon Brothers evolve into. I think that they need to evolve a little bit out of some of the cartoony stuff and more into the ass-kicking stuff. Um, but there, I, I still think there's a lot of, of potential. You know, I, 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 but yeah, again, you know, I, I, I think that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have Bray Wyatt go back to SmackDown and reform the Wyatt family. I mean, he's not doing anything else. What if you had the Wyatt family versus the, the club? What if you had, what if you had uh, uh, Anderson and Gallows go over to SmackDown say that they were going to join with AJ Styles again, just like they were when they were all on the same side. And then Finn Balor comes over and they all betray AJ Styles. And then you got heel Finn Balor with Gallows and Anderson versus AJ Styles. I mean, there you go. 
You've, you've solved your problem with what to do with Finn Balor, and you've solved your problem with how do you make SmackDown have a little bit more star power. Because right now, you know, a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of the matches for Clash of Champions are being made into triple threat matches because uh, we've seen them all a little bit before. I, I, I can't imagine that Jinder Mahal is going to win the title from AJ Styles. I can't, I, I would really, I would really hope not. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine that AJ Styles is going to lose that title because I think that in, in the time that he's have it, had it, he's proven even more that he's the best wrestler there is. He's the best in the world. Uh, I see Chase saying Bray Wyatt needs to be on SmackDown. He should have never left SmackDown. I don't want a Wyatt family reunion again. Yeah, I, I, Chase, I got to be honest. I don't want a Wyatt family reunion either. I just said that because the Bludgeon Brothers are on SmackDown and so is Bray. I, I do feel like that ship has uh, that ship has sailed a little bit. Um, but I do think that Bray should be on SmackDown. Um, you know, I think uh, Ruby Riot is awesome. I think, I think the Riot Squad... Works. I don't think they're quite as good as Absolution, but that's also probably because Paige uh, brings a lot of star power with Absolution and can really carry the group. Whereas on the Riot Squad, it's more three equals. Um, and and I felt like this week for the first time, the Riot Squad was um, defining themselves as different from Absolution, which is really good. And I hope they keep moving in that direction um, because you know you 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 kind of have to. It's I'm uh, it, it'll be it's also good. You know, it's weird because SmackDown used to be the place where uh there were multiple things going on with the women. Like there were multiple women stories being told at the same time. And there aren't now. You know, now it's like you have your women's championship match and then all the other women are just Lumberjacks, because they all also want a women's championship match. The creativity behind the women's storytelling on SmackDown is starting to fade a little bit as it's heightening over on Raw, which is really interesting because it was the other way around a year ago. Um, I'll tell you this. I thought that Nakamura had a great moment on SmackDown. And it was short, but it's kind of like you watch Nakamura, anybody that knows what Shinsuke Nakamura can do is watching to find it. And really, it's not a matter of more rock star stuff because Shinsuke's got the rock star stuff down pat. It's more the strong style stuff. The strong style stuff is what's missing from his repertoire at the moment. And I don't know if that's because it's something WWE doesn't feel like it fits. I don't know if it's because he needs the right opponent. I don't know if it's because it's something he doesn't want to do anymore. But to me, it feels like it's missing. And... uh Seeing him come out, save Randy Orton, and kick Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's butts on SmackDown got me excited for for Shinsuke Nakamura, which is what I want out of him. You know what what I know he's capable of, uh, and I'm actually looking forward to that tag match quite a bit. I think that 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 tag match actually has potential to steal the show. I think that Randy Orton is severely underrated at this point. And that's ironic to say with Randy Orton. But I, I do think that Randy Orton is underrated. Um, I think that Nakamura, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn are all ready for main event spots. And I think that that, that, that is going to pour out of this tag team main event. 
uh, at I mean, this tag team match at Clash of Champions. Uh, I see Dan saying, uh, 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 oh, I meant uh, uh, Monica saying, why do you think WWE passed up on bringing the iconic duo to the main roster? I take them as more of a threat than the Riot Squad. Probably because the WWE wanted to take a bunch of women from NXT but did not want to rob the NXT roster of the people that people buy tickets to go to NXT shows to see. So as much as Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan were all doing cool stuff in NXT, they weren't. None of them were on the pay per view. None of them were on Takeover. None of them were in the conversation of who's the next NXT Women's Champion. So I think that that was uh, that was part of it. That that bringing those women up specifically, if they brought up Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, then that is a big gap that they've left in NXT. But what the WWE did was they brought five new women up to the main roster from NXT without leaving this big gaping hole in NXT, which I think was the plan. And uh, I think they were effective. I think they were very effective in doing that. And I think that's really smart. I think that's the thing. If you want to maintain NXT as a brand and you want to make it a successful touring brand, you have to be careful. It's not just about anymore calling people up who are ready to get called up. It's now about calling people up, but where are they more valuable? Are they more valuable to NXT or are they more valuable to the main roster? And that's a decision uh, that everybody has to be made. Bobby says Nakamura is great. I'd just rather not hear him cut promos. I lose interest fast. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'd be good to uh, not have Nakamura uh, cut promos. I think that that would be a step in the right direction. But I think that I think that we just have to believe that Nakamura can beat the crap out of people. And here's the thing. Nakamura can beat the crap out of people. Nakamura has MMA experience. Nakamura can win in fights in real life. So I just think we have to be reminded of that. And I, I, I felt that when I watched SmackDown this week. And I think it will pour into that tag match at Clash of Champions. I, on paper, I probably would be like, oh, I don't know if I, wanna, if I need to see that. But in execution... I was like, yeah, I'm really excited to see that. And I love the idea. So the stipulation was made that in this tag match for Clash of Champions, which is a week from Sunday, Daniel Bryan's going to be the referee. And if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn do not win, then they have to be fired from WWE permanently. They're not just going over to Raw. They're fired. I think that Daniel Bryan will not allow Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to leave SmackDown. I think that this will be the moment that really beef starts between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. The question is, where does that lead? Where where does where does a Shane McMahon Daniel Bryan rivalry really lead? Are we going to see a Shane McMahon Daniel Bryan match? You know, I don't I still don't think so. We could but I don't think so. So I don't know what creating tension between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon does long term. I would love to see a Daniel Bryan Shane McMahon match. Uh, I also think it's interesting that the way the way the story is being written is Daniel Bryan is almost being forced to side with the bad guys. If you listen to the the shows that I did with Wade Keller right around Survivor Series time, Shane McMahon was doing bad guy stuff. Shane McMahon invading Raw. Shane McMahon doing stuff without consulting Daniel Bryan. All the stuff that Daniel Bryan is doing now that is kind of against Shane McMahon's uh, uh, better judgment is all because Daniel Bryan 
felt uh, uh, put upon. That Daniel Bryan was was insulted that Shane McMahon was doing things without him and caused Kane to jump him in a dark locker room. So now, so that's where the tension lies. But in order to get to where we're going after Clash of Champions, the what what the 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 idea is that Daniel Bryan has to allow Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to win, which doesn't put him in a good guy position. It puts him in a bad guy position. And I don't know if people are going to boo Daniel Bryan. I mean, if anybody can do it. See, yeah, yeah. Vinny says I feel like Shane is already a heel here. I do too. But so I so so I don't exactly know how you move Daniel Bryan into a good guy position unless you're going to make Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are saying bad things about Shane McMahon. So you run the risk of making Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn all good guys, which I don't think you want to do. You run the risk of turning all of them into good guys as opposed to Shane McMahon being the bad guy because it's going to, if, if people read Shane McMahon as the bad guy, then what's going to happen? Every, whoever's against Shane is on the side of good, right? And I don't know, I, I, I feel like, uh, uh, like, like Shane has not done enough to make it so that people will never boo him. But Daniel has. Daniel Bryan has. So I don't exactly know where that leads, but it'll be very, very interesting to see. R. Scott Vaughn is saying, will we see Daniel Bryan versus Shane or Daniel Bryan versus Cody first? If I had to guess, if I had to put money on a Daniel... I would... You know what? Something in my gut is telling me to put money on the Daniel Bryan-Shane match. That when push comes to shove, if Daniel Bryan was really going to be able to wrestle somewhere else, WWE would find a way. I would probably put money on the Shane match. But I don't know. I just don't know. It's really tough. It's really tough. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You have a face siding with heels and a heel siding with baby faces. Although we'll say good guy, bad guy, because we don't want to sound like, you know, hey, look at us smart people using all this industry jargon. I don't know. It always makes me feel weird. It's an interesting time, ladies and gentlemen. It's an interesting time. Don't forget to always stay subscribed to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and go to notsam.com slash merch to get all the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirts that you need. Um, We didn't really get into the uh, 205 Live live events that are coming. Um, Oh, my God. I'm not going anywhere yet. It's Rusev Day! How great was that? Did anybody see that coming? Rusev Day? That should be the name of the team. Rusev and Aiden English beat the New Day? Rusev and Aiden English are now a more successful team on the main roster than the Vaudevillains were. Aiden English is more successful with Rusev. It was amazing. I would not be surprised. And it's amazing because, like, New Day can lose all they want at this point. New Day can afford the losses. It only makes uh, uh, Rusev Day look better. And New Day doesn't look worse for it. I would not be surprised if the New Day break up before long. Chase says it the best. Rusev and English are fire. They are flames, 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 flames. I agree. I don't know how you cannot watch them, how you can watch them and not be entertained. They're so good. I was so happy to see them win on SmackDown. And it's those things that like give you hope. They make you realize, like, okay, WWE is 
always exploring for new talent. WWE is listening to people. They're fans, right? WWE is there. They're aware. And uh, uh, I just, I, I'm, 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 I'm interested to see where Aiden English and Rusev go. Though, to me, like, the standout from SmackDown was, well, it was probably the Nakamura segment at the end of the show because I thought it was really cool. But Aiden English and Rusev winning. One of the standouts for Raw, honestly, was how well Jason Jordan did. It was interesting because I saw on my Twitter that a lot of people felt like Jason Jordan was uh, doing a bad job because he was getting booed. And I was like, he's doing a great job. He's getting booed and Roman Reigns is actually getting cheered. How is Jason Jordan doing a bad job? Like, I don't think that Jason Jordan, being the whiny son of Kurt Angle, begging his daddy to give him good matches, is being done to make him seem like a good guy. You know, I think that this is, is, is being done so that he comes across as whiny and annoying. So I, I, I think that Jason Jordan's doing a great job. And people are like, look, they just have to go ahead and turn him heel. That's what's happening, Right? I mean, he's, he's doing bad guy things. He, he's in the process of becoming a bad guy in front of our very eyes. And he's doing a great job. I, I, I think that, 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 that Jason Jordan, and you see him out there, and like he's another one. He's committing to the character. He doesn't feel lost out there. You know, he has no business being in the ring with Roman Reigns. His dad, Kurt Angle, knows it. Roman knows it. And that's what's so great, right? As much as the fans want to boo Roman Reigns, we know that Jason Jordan has no business acting like he's better than Roman Reigns or Samoa Joe. We're like, this guy has all the potential in the world. And he's like, I don't just have potential. I'm ready now. And everybody's like, no, you're not. And he's like, yes, I am. And that's the character. We're right. He's not ready. But he's insisting that he is. That's obnoxious. And that's what he's doing well. That, I, I think it's great. I think it's great, and I was I was honestly surprised that I heard uh, I heard otherwise on Twitter this week. I was honestly surprised that there were people that not it wasn't just in a hundred percent agreement with me that everybody was like I see exactly what's going on, and and this character is great. This character is great. So so great job to Jason Jordan. Great job to Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Great job to Aiden English and Rusev, who I have named Rusev Day. And great job to the entire Raw women's roster. Those are the great jobs of the week. And great job to all of you for listening. Hey, thank you for being a part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on, on Stitcher, however you want to listen to the show. Subscribe, leave rankings, do the whole thing over on iTunes. Go to notsam.com slash merch for all your holiday gifts. And we will see you next week right here on Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network.
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics' second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.